0: Tonight we talk about the mega fight between Canelo Alvarez and Gulati Gulupkin with Doug Fisher, editor of RingTV.com on RSG One Mic. This thing right here is where my people sit the (laughs) street. Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start the show, this one might. Be. We have. <laughs> 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 <I'm> there. <laughs> there is a pause throughout the stadium as this man sounds like he just coughs up a lung. still looking around, the rod shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it glows down each their face. Each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time, destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy <laughs> need uh, CPR or something? And then at that particular time, I lost it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Today, you know, i to show this one, Mike. Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back in the chat. and you can do that. You know, people talk a lot about <laughs> this. Kind of yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one mic. All right, welcome to RSG One Mic uh, here with D. Wills, and uh, Hank will be joining us a little bit later in the program. Um, we are glad to have you here with us us on the Real Sports Guys uh, podcast platform. One Mike is the show where we, we go deep into the topic. Um, we try to uh, really uh, analyze it. Um, uh, when we have an opportunity, we, we like to bring um, uh, someone who might be an expert on that topic to give us uh, a, a much more uh, deeper perspective uh, on it. And uh, tonight's show uh, fits that bill. Uh, as I said uh, in the opening, uh, we have Doug Fisher, and those of you who are regular listeners of RSG, you know it's going to be a treat to have Doug Fishery. You see him a lot of different platforms, um, uh, particularly I believe when the HBO opening comes on, he's the one with the ponytail. You'll see sometimes they'll have uh, Doug there, but Doug's at all these fights, uh, well, a lot of them. Um, he's seen a lot of boxing and um, and also provides some great insight. Uh, if you want to hear what. Uh, his previous uh, podcast with us, uh, just uh, make your way over to iTunes, just do a search of real sports guys. Uh should come up uh, and uh, just look for uh, the uh, interview uh, with Doug Fisher and also all of our other podcasts. Our other show is The Big Show, where myself and shout-out to the Game Changer and PhD, uh, Marcus and Phil, uh, we kind of hold that down. We usually have some special guests. It's like a seminar In the barbershop, you never know what's going to happen, what's going to be said, um, a lot of energy with that. Um, And then we have Inside the Park. uh, That's with Hank Davis um, uh, giving us, you know, another perspective on baseball going beyond the analytics in the world, in which uh, we are so caught up in the numbers. uh, You know, he tries to bring a little bit more soul back to it. You know, it's it's like, you know, having that Al Green playing underneath uh, a little bit. So uh, he'll bring that back to for you. Folks who haven't thought about baseball in a long time, you know, it's a good treat to to hear Hank talk uh, talk about a little bit. Uh, then we have our other uh, podcast, which is a, a specialty podcast, uh, Hustle and Flows, uh, Marcus and Sekou. Uh, you know, that will come out quarterly, but, um, you know, around the uh, turn of the, of the year, uh, Sekou will drop his, uh, his top list of hip-hop albums for the year. Um, you know, Sekou is just this incredibly intelligent person now. And that uh, is part of it. And we, you, we have a whole bunch of other folks, whether it's, uh, you know, Justin Page coming to hit us with the NBA, uh, whether it's Eric Hamilton dropping, you know, the fantasy knowledge on us, uh, those gems uh, of it, or it's RJ Page coming back and hitting us with that baseball, um, or my boy the hammer, um, you know, dropping all kinds of headache moves on folks. You know, we like the Wu-Tang of uh, uh, sports urban radio, and uh, we just want to keep bringing it to you. But tonight, we're talking about the big fight. You know, we had the big run-up with Mayweather and, uh, uh, you know, Connor, but, you know, now we get back to the real deal. You know, it was a good fight, good entertaining kind of mix-up to come with that, you know, a way of just kind of warming our appetite a little bit, but now, you know, this feels like one of them fights that were like, you know, if you're you young enough or if you can get on YouTube and maybe Hagler-Hearns, uh, you know, uh, Hearns-Leonard, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, those type of fights. They have that feel like that, that old-school mega fight um, where you just never know what's going to happen, but both of them are coming to trade blows. There's going to be no pretension. People are not going to be fronting. Uh, They're coming in here, do what they need to do to get this victory. And and Doug is going to be here to uh, talk a little bit about about that with us and um, helping us, uh, you know, kind of understand and dissecting for, you know, for the casual boxing fans who don't really watch boxing. This is a fight uh, that you should definitely check out. Um, You're going to get your money's worth uh, uh, with that. And then there's a number of, uh, of fighters who fought recently. Um, and I want Doug to kind of comment on them a little bit, so we'll hear uh, a little bit of that uh, in terms of um, some things. wanting to have a little chance to reflect on the McGregor and Mayweather fight uh, as well. So we'll get plenty of boxing. That's what we're going to be focused on, taking the deep with a primary focus on Canelo and Triple G as part of what we uh, uh, want to do uh, uh, for the show. Uh, our hosts and all of our callers are brought to you by Carbon World Health. You're complete. Solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to CarbonWorldHealth.com to connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff to learn more about lifestyle medicine. Tell them that the Real Sports Guys sent you. Uh, follow up and like us as well at RealSportsGuys.com or uh, look for Real Sports Guys on all social media platforms. Um, as I said before, go to iTunes as well. Um, search for us. You know, give us a little bit of review. Give us levels fives. Uh, and give us some love uh, as well. Uh, before we get in with Doug, there's a lot that's been going on. We had the opening uh, of uh, NFL season um, happening right now. Uh, college football is entering. Uh, really it's, there were a couple uh, football games prior to big Labor Day weekend, but we will really feel like this is weekend, too, of uh, college football. Um, and there were some big-time matchups, none bigger than the Sooners. Going into the shoot, folks, you're know, on my social media. You know, I, I got that connection to Ann Arbor and Madison, and so there's a lot of interest on my Facebook. Um, you know, I got family who uh, are rooting for the Buckeyes, and I can't understand, but that that's how it goes. I still give them love. We, we're still family. Um, and, uh, whoo, the Sooners went down there and got the victory. I mean, the, they celebrated after they won that, that, that football game, like it was national championship. I mean, they went off, you know, it was, it was one of those, those, uh, you know, we going to get it all in. they been, they were waiting for, you know, for a year to, 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 to make that connection to, to get that victory, uh, to, to, Get back in there uh, to try to get that taste uh, out of their mouths. Um, it was uh, it was quite a uh, performance by a young man, Baker Mayfield, who at the end, then at the end of the game, runs around with the OU flag and attempts to plant get in the in the middle, to style uh, with all the Buckeye fans watching. Woo, that's going to be one for the board. Uh, but he didn't care. You know, he got a lot of swag. If you check him out a little bit on YouTube you know, uh, Baker brings it, and uh, I appreciate how he gets after it, uh, how it guys give love. Uh, It was quite, uh, quite, quite a scene uh, uh, there uh, in uh, Columbus. Um, You know, both teams played hard. Both teams played hard. And, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, uh, those Sooners did what they had to do to come out uh, on top. And so it makes you think, wow. Where do you go if you're Ohio State? And I've been saying this, and a lot of people are right, been getting on me. Uh, you just hate on Ohio State, and I've had a chance to watch them. Camp Randall, I've watched a lot of their games, and I've said, look, they fool you with smoking and mirrors. You know, uh, Barrett can't go downfield, and they basically run the game through through the running back and Barrett running. Uh, and hope that you miss a tackle on one of those receivers, they can take it. But there's no real kind of um, complexity or anything that's going down. And so against most teams at work, because they just got better athletes and their defense is going to be great. Keep them in the game. They were great uh, as much as they could be in this game, trying to hold it down. Uh, But Barrett just does not throw uh, the the, uh, mid-range ball or deep ball well enough. And so, Against good defenses, they're going to base crowd the line. They're going to key on those, the running back and key on him and, you know, whomever they got a running back. Um, but, you know, I've watched them in person and seen it, and I'm like, there's nothing here that they are doing a creative. You know, number 16 is going to handle it when it get tight. They get, and, you know, and, you know, they brought Wilson in, came from Indiana with that explosive body offense, and you don't know how much of it is Urban being conservative you know, that's one of the things. Or, you know, Wilson not being able to get the most out of him. Uh, and sometimes I just think that some of these head coaches go back to what they know. You know, we heard all this stuff about what Saban wants to do down there in Alabama. And throw it downfield, or will he go back to what they know? Keep it conservative and hope the defense can have you there until to win. And and sometimes it's what makes them great can also be the curse. And last night, I think that's what caught up to Earth. you know, uh, uh, you know, um, and, and, uh, in terms of a few years ago, you know, when, this, when they had that fall against, you know, uh, Michigan State, you know, you had Ezekiel there who was brave enough to speak up, you know, and say, look, you know, we're getting away from what makes us work. And so, um, you know, Barrett's a 50-year senior. He should not be struggling at this point. Uh, with those throws. And I don't know what they're not doing with quarterback development. You feel like he's a smart kid. He can figure this out, but there's something there that is not allowing to happen and got exposed against the Oklahoma team who was highly motivated um, uh, to come in there and, and get that victory. So, you know, we're going to keep an eye on them going on, but Oklahoma moves up to number two. And uh, uh, it, it's 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 ringing out there in Sooner land. You know, so like the Sooners, uh, our back end—they got a rookie head coach. Uh, Bob Stoops was there last night, uh, and then uh, you saw Oregon make their re-entry into the national scene uh, 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 with uh, Taggart uh, leading the way, changing—you know, getting the energy out of those players. Un- unlike what we saw in Texas, you know, he figured out how to correct some things and get those players to play in the all phases. Uh, Nebraska made a run to come back in there, but. Uh, you know, Oregon looks like old Oregon. And so, uh, and then down there in Texas, we got Herman saying we can't sprinkle any dust. So, hey, the season is upon us. Uh, it, it is it, it is moving. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I know when Hank uh, gets back, you know, maybe our next podcast, we're probably going to dig a little bit deeper into college football because I know he's loving it. Um, you know, uh, hardball and then we're able to get past uh, uh, and, and, and make their moves uh uh, a little bit here uh, this past weekend, but still didn't like what I saw at the quarterback position. They got to still continue to improve that space. You see, Wisconsin sneaking up there. I think you know you have a person like uh, uh, Chris who, who doesn't get enough credit for the way he coaches. Um, he is probably the most unseen coach in America, and um, maybe next to uh, well, Heller is it uh, USC, um, and so. Um, these are two coaches who are kind of mild manner, but really intense and want to win. Um, they're making some noise, and, you, you know, uh, the road for the buck, uh, for the Badgers looks pretty good. So this is going to be an interesting thing. But today, today, tonight, it's all about boxing. It's all about boxing. And uh, we're going to have some fun with it. You know, we're fortunate enough, you know, that, as I said before, when, when, when Doug was on, uh, with us uh, the, to kind of, uh, as we were previewing the Mayweather and uh, McGregor fight, I said, we're not going to talk about Canelo and Triple G because we want him to come back. And we want him to, you know, get, let us know who he thinks going to win. But there's been a whole bunch of that with boxing. And so, you know, uh, I feel fortunate enough to uh, to uh, have the opportunity to connect with him, and it's just um, really made what we do at RSG much more better having, having someone like this who we can – call on uh, to to speak to you, speak to people we think that we know are real, true sports fans and want to get beyond just the surface stuff. So, you know, uh, we are happy uh, right now to introduce uh, uh, my friend and our our friend at RSG, Doug Fisher. Welcome. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I'm doing fine. How you guys doing? Man, we're doing well here. You know, Hank is going to be joining us in a little while uh, here to and he'll probably hit you with a couple questions, but we're just we're glad to have Great. you on. It, it just feels like a different a different fight weekend, and we'll get into that. But as you know me, I'm always having yeah. a couple other topics I want to hit before we get to the state. Sure, because we're really going yeah, to get the a state, lot going on uh, tonight. Yeah, uh, there's a lot going on, and um, I'll hit a couple things. We and and, and, and as we um, you know see opportunity to hit some other things, uh, let's make it. But let's let's go back now that kind of the previous fight is over. I just I didn't get a chance to really connect with you much about this, but just your, your, your general reflections on the McGregor-Mayweather fight and then just, you know, Floyd, you know, uh, and kind of bow on his career. Can you just provide us a little bit of reflection? It would be nice to hear your perspective.
1: I mean, you know, I didn't really view it as a, as a boxing match, even though it was officially sanctioned as one by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Um, I just couldn't take it seriously as a sporting contest you know, for obvious reasons uh, mayweather is is the mm-hmm. first ballot future hall of famer uh, an arguably great fighter certainly one of the best of his era and i'm talking about the last 20 to 25 years which is saying a lot and mcgregor is, was a, a man who had never fought in a, a four-round professional bout he had no real amateur experience to speak of um so yeah, I, I couldn't take it seriously. Um, but the, the as an event, it, it certainly had merit and it resonated and it had people talking outside of boxing and outside of the sports realm uh, and even, even outside of entertainment. I mean, it was just like yeah. it was that kind of topic. Like it was the kind of thing that everybody was talking about at the super in line at the supermarket, or you know, when parents are picking their kids up from school, and and they weren't just like it wasn't just like people, it wasn't just like people were talking to me about it because they know I'm the boxing guy, you know what I mean? Or they weren't just talking to, mm-hmm. talking about it to their friends who they know follow the USC or MMA or just Conor McGregor fans. Like they were just people who don't watch MMA or boxing were talking about this fight this event this event so um it was very real as a business venture obviously um but just as kind of a mm, pop culture phenomenon i guess for, for lack of a better term mm-hmm. and um i think it's all, i mean there, there's been no real official announcement of how many buys it did but i mean i think it's safe to say that everybody covered their ass I think everybody's everybody's happy. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. Mayweather and McGregor were making record guarantees for their sports, for their respective sports. Um, And um, I I don't think they're going to have any trouble covering that. And and I think Showtime and the UFC are going to be happy with whatever the final count is. I I just think, I, I think it did. Great money. I think there's, there's rumors that uh, Dana White has, has told people that it did six and a half million buys, mm. and that it, that's not. It's not clear if that's you know U.S. you know domestic television, or if that's worldwide, or if that includes the UFC Fight Pass or or what have you. Um, it's probably international. It's probably like all of the pay per view buys internationally, wherever it was being sold in that form, um, and. If that's the case, that's great. It, I mean, it, 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 it did well as an event, and it, it, people were talking about boxing, and right up into the fight and de- definitely after the fight, whenever people were talking about Mayweather McGregor, they would also talk about Canelo versus Triple G. So that's a good thing. I mean, that's good for – and people know who Canelo is. Gennady Golovkin is, is far from a household word uh, or household name. Um, he's known, at, obviously, in, in boxing, and some casual casual boxing fans know who he is now. Um, and there's some general sports fans who recognize him. But a lot of folks don't. So when his name is, is being uttered on you know, Fox Sports and, and ESPN and, and, and general sports news platforms, it's a good thing. He, he deserves to, to be recognized and, and the Canelo Triple G Showdown deserves all the attention that uh, it is receiving and and so that's good and and you know i just look at 2017 it's just like a great year for boxing it's just there's been so many good fights and quality matchups and the best fighting the best that we've already forgotten about title unification bouts that took place in the first quarter of this year we've already forgotten about keith thurman fighting danny garcia and you know, the dude Jack fighting uh, uh, James DeGale and, and, you know, all these excellent performances that we've had early on in the year, we've already forgotten about them. It's, I mean, it almost seems like Golov can fight Daniel Jacobs, who was a terrific challenger mm-hmm. last year, but that mm-hmm. took place in March. But that's just the kind of year it's been with been so many mm-hmm. quality fights that we can't even keep track of them. And this, this coming Saturday, I think we really have the crown jewel for boxing because it's like a legitimate championship showdown. And it's not just like the two best middleweights. It's the two, uh, it's, it's the two most popular middleweights and guys with legitimate claims uh, to the championship going at it. And, and style wise, it should be an entertaining fight. Well, you, you, t- you mentioned uh, uh, one of the people that wanted because I, I think there
0: were some undercard stories uh, and, Bobby Jack, um, you know, made a statement against, you know, uh, and and, I think he's been making
1: statements. Yeah. I think, I think his last couple of fights, even though he had to settle for a draw, I think in his last two fights, I thought he, he handily won both of them. And I really kind of looked at him as the number one, uh, super middleweight, particularly after the DeGale fight. I thought he proved it in that fight. I don't know how he didn't get the decision, but, um, obviously, it, it, he's he's stronger at 175 pounds, so he's definitely a welcome addition to the light heavyweight division. Uh, yeah, you know, the light heavyweight division. Yeah. And then you
0: had Javante Davis, um, kind of have a controversy at the start and finish. You know, came in, um, yeah, you know, over the weight limit, um, and then that was disappointing um, there was a stoppage. But yeah, 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 and just you know, someone who was kind of this rising star who had gone to the UK in the previous fight and yeah. made a statement you know, uh, on another soil and just kinda of going like this was the moment for him. you know, I think Mayweather was looking for him to take the torch to Badu out of the camp Badu came out of the camp and just kinda of stole the show. But he just kinda of, yeah. I didn't expect he would have that um that kind of performance uh against Francisco. You know, what
1: yeah, that guy that guy what, he fought what, what were your, was not a legitimate yeah, contender. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I talked it up, I'll say one word that can explain the respective performances between jack and davis and that's maturity that's the word is maturity and and now javanta davis was a really good amateur he was a really good u.s amateur standout um and obviously he's talented enough as a professional that he was able to be moved into a world title fight by his 21st or 22nd birthday that's really rare um, mm-hmm. you know particularly in America where guys you know you don 't turn pro until you 're eighteen years old you know not so rare you know for fighters and fighters from the Philippines and you know other countries where you could turn pro at fifteen or sixteen but for for Americans to win a world title that young it it means something it means he is special he has special talent he is precocious but twenty two is also twenty two and and some some men. Um, are are still like teenagers when they're when they're 22, and others they are. They're, they're at 22, they're like 32 year year olds, um, and obviously Davis is not. He's not like that yet. He's not quite the professional where he's going to have his weight together, and that he's going to take care of business against the guy that he's supposed to shine against. You know, and the the showboating and you know the the shenanigans that to me spoke to maturity, and hopefully this is a learning experience. And, you know, with the Dude Jack, he's been brought along more gradually. He wasn't kind of rushed into the title. He had a setback, which kind of slowed things down. Mm-hmm. Um, but he learned from it. Like, he, he suffered a first-round knockout a couple of years ago. Yeah. But they kind of brought him back gradually, step-by-step. Step. And each fight, after that first-round stoppage, he improved every fight. Literally, he improved every fight all the way up into the Nathan Cleverly fight. And then he obliterated Cleverly, who was a title holder and had held a, a previous world title and was you know, world-ranked at, at light heavyweight and was more experienced at that weight. And a guy who'd never really been blown out like that before, except for when he fought um, you know, Sergei Kovalev, when Kovalev was at his absolute best. So it, it was a big statement, but you know, it was happening at the right time for, for Badu Jack. You know, he's moving up in weight at the right time. And he's, he's a mature guy. You know, I think he's in his early thirties or whatever. And he just, you could tell when you talk to him, he just got his head screwed on straight. He knows what he wants to do. Um, you know, he's, he's not trying to show off. He's not trying to impress anybody but himself. And um, it, it, that, that shows in his performances.
0: Yeah. And I, that's what, cause I, and when you say something like, you know, about maturity uh, uh, with Javanta, it, it, it's, because I thought he was you know if you think about the two people that and'm and I'm, I I'm going I don't want you to go too deep in them because I, I, I want to talk about this person in terms of where do they go from here in this next segment, but I will mention them, but uh, you know we look at where Floyd was putting this stuff, he's putting it with Adrian, and then he put it with this young man, and I thought he was hailing the maturity much more better than Adrian um, and, right. and that it seemed like he was in there working, and that's why I was so surprised. Yeah with the way he came into it, because even though he had the showboating in it, it seemed like it was, it was appropriately in the the competition space. It didn't seem like it was as much that kind of stuff that didn't flow outside the competition space, which I said, okay, that's just, that's just, you know, even Floyd had some of that, but outside the, the competition space, it seemed like he still had things together and was focused and was right. really paying attention to the Floyd formula, you know, and even Floyd, was overweight against Marquez back in two thousand and nine. Uh, once I thought that was right. More, that's uh, true. More more a tactic than him just being overweight. I thought it was just Floyd. Yeah. Will go to going to because he, he was trying to go for the victory. So, but, but right. even Floyd oh, right. had that, and it was kind of able to refocus him a, a little bit. And so I was surprised in some some reports that he was he was sick and he was having some of that because he just seemed like those previous fights he was all business. Like he, and he knew this was going to be the one where all the lights were on him. And for Floyd, I think. Right. So but was I was think that's a factor of the lights being
1: on him. Factor. Yeah. I think that really is, is that that, I mean, there's, I mean, it's one thing to fight for your first world title, you know, against yeah. a solid but unspectacular belt holder in Jose Pedraza. Um, it's another thing to, to travel to the UK. That's a big deal. Going to the lion's den to fight an undefeated guy. Um but then it's it's a completely different stage when it's it's a pay-per-view event like Mayweather McGregor there's literally never been anything like that event really in the history of of the sport like a media event of that magnitude i mean it, in, in in many ways it surpassed mayweather pacquiao in in the in in the attention that it, it attracted because it just brought in this Entirely different demographic. I mean, it brought in Middle mm. America because Middle America is way into the USC. I almost said mixed martial yep. arts, but it's really the USC brand that 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 is synonymous with MMA here in America. Um, and it brought in international interest, all of Europe, certainly Ireland, because of where Conor McGregor is from. And, and so I mean, and and let's not forget the build up to Mayweather McGregor was was like it was straight out of the WWE. I mean, it was, I mean, it, I mean, to me, it was all kind of scripted, (laughs) but if you're a young man and you're, you're like there and you're kind of following along with this, that I'm I'm imagining that can get into your head to where you think, okay, I got to put on a certain type of show or maybe it can distract you or whatever. And if you are sick and you do miss weight, maybe that can play with your head a little bit before you step into the ring. Because on paper, Davis should have just outclassed him, should have just taken care of him,
0: yeah. you know,
1: rather quickly yeah, he have what it was. Yeah. But there's the mental part of boxing is every bit as important as the physical part. So it's, you know, and I, I agree with you. I do think Davis is somebody that, that trains hard and um, he's usually very focused when he steps into the ring, mentally speaking, but I think maybe um, on August 26th, the, he wasn't 100% physically speaking, but he definitely wasn't all the way there mentally speaking. And I think that's just a, a maturity thing.
0: One of the things, I, I, and before we get into the, to the, what I call the state, uh, <laughs> the big fight, I, I kind of the segment I want to do with you, where do they go from here? I have two fighters. Adrian, the problem, Broner, Roman, uh, Chocolateo Gonzalez. Where do they go from here?
1: Um, with Gonzalez, I think he should retire. I think it's, I mean, he, he's pushed his body to the limit and he's just, he's fought tough cat after tough cat, after tough cat. And really flyweight was his upper limit. Physically speaking, Gonzalez Mm -hmm. is a guy that I followed. I I knew about before he won his first world title. And that was at strawweight and at 105 pounds, he was a big guy. And he was the guy with the one-hitter-quitter type power. Um, When he stepped up from 105 to 108, junior flyweight, he was still a knockout artist, but he had to work at it. When he moved up to 112 pounds, he really had to work for his knockouts, and he didn't always get them. And when he did get them, they were late, like the Brian Valoria fight, and he took punishment. And when he stepped up, even to, to his fourth weight class and made history for Nicaraguan fighters, he was he had surpassed his limit, and then the wear and tear of that career of you know forty five plus fights, and that fighting style. And I'm not just talking about the the amount of punishment he took in the exchanges, but the way he trains and the way he fights. He's a volume puncher. He's throwing like 100 punches a hundred punches around. That's a that that burns you out, and you have to understand the flyweights. They're generally old by the time they're in their their, their, their late 20s. Early 30s is old for a flyweight. 35, 36 years old is like 44 or 45 for a heavier weight class fighter. So he was already kind of pushing his limits when he stepped up to 115 pounds. And I think previous two fights against Carlos Quadras and the first fight with uh, Sorongasai, they took their toll. They really did. And I think that the death of his trainer did something mentally and spiritually to him and losing for the first time, did something mentally to him to where, when he stepped into those ropes and I was at StubHub center in Carson, California last night, when he stepped between those ropes, he didn't seem, he didn't have that aura. He really didn't. And he, you know, he went in there and, you know, he, he, he fought his usual style fight, but he just didn't have the same zip on his punches. And the other guy was supremely confident and, um, he's a monster that, 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 that Thai fighter is a beast. Like a lot of Thai fighters are, you know, if they're going to make a yeah. name for themselves outside of the country, you got to be something real. If you're not special, if you're not a special talent in terms of boxing or athletically, you are one tough son of a bitch. And this guy might be a little bit of both. So, I mean, he took care of business. but the way that Chocolatito was knocked out, I don't think he comes back from that. And he's made enough money in recent years to where he can retire comfortably in Nicaragua where he's beloved. He's a national hero. And he's, I mean, his resume is awesome. I mean, he's, he's going to go into the hall of fame. I don't think there's anything more for him to prove. And I think he's putting his, 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 his health, maybe even his life in jeopardy if he continues to fight, because let me tell you something, there are no soft spots in the junior bantamweight division. That is one of the deepest divisions in boxing, if not the deepest, and most dangerous and formidable division in all of uh, all of the sport. Uh, as for Adrian Broner, you know he's still young, and he's a, he's a, a, a durable guy. I mean, he may not be the next Floyd Mayweather as he was touted some years ago, but um, he's got underrated toughness and durability. Um, and I still think, I think if he gets his head together, I maybe he'll never beat a fighter like um, Mikey Garcia. You know. No shame in that, but I still think he can be competitive with a lot of junior welterweights, not named Terrence Crawford. Um, So I I would like to see him in there with some of the, the contenders, you know, the contenders who are his age uh, and, you know, more to his level because I think Crawford is, is an elite boxer like Mikey Garcia. And I don't think Adrian Broner is an elite boxer, but that doesn't mean he should retire. He's still young. He's got a lot of experience. And I think Brunner's entertaining. In fact, I liked it, mm-hmm. it during that post-fight um, interview that he did with Jim Gray. Mm-hmm. And Jim Gray said, mm-hmm. hey, this was a do-or-die fight, a make-or-break fight. He's like, no, that's what you guys said. I'm going to come back and fight, and everybody's going to come out and see me again. And maybe not as many people. He's, he's right in that, you know, when, when he fights again, Showtime is going to televise it, or somebody's going to televise it. And there will be interest in the fight. You know, um, he just he is what he is. He's not like a super champion. He can still be a world title holder though, and I still think like he can be in good fights. And I think there's there's no doubt in anybody's mind that Terrence Crawford is, has probably had his last fight at hundred and forty pounds. So when he moves up to welterweight in search of those, you know, bigger paydays and, and all that kind of stuff, pound for pound supremacy and all that kind of stuff, um, all those those belts that he holds are gonna be vacated. In fact he's already vacated the IBS belt. So I think there's going to be some good contests um, held at junior welterweight for those vacant sanctioning organization titles. And I honestly, I, I think Broner should should aim for one of them. I don't think he's got the, the, the power to get the kind of respect that he used to get at junior lightweight and lightweight um, fighting at, at welterweight. And at 147 pounds, there are guys um, who are going to hit him as often as Mikey Garcia did, but a lot harder. I don't think he needs that in his life. So I think... He should definitely stay at 140 pounds. Wait for Crawford to vacate. Go for one of those belts. And I, I think he could, mm. he could be in really good fights with, with, you know, young contenders.
0: Do you think he needs
1: to change? He's like a person that needs to change trains
0: And Paulie you know what I, support I, 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 Paul, I agree. Paulie came out supportive. support. I, I, I love to see Paulie extra training. But Paulie came out was like, like, this guy's only 28. People put me, put dirt on me when I was and I had and I, at the same point, and I had a title by the time I was thirty-one. I feel like he needs he needs to change and get a different trainer. He needs to get out. Yeah, of that, you know, but I don't like I don't, I don't
1: I don't. I'm one of these guys. I don't like it when people say he a, a fighter needs to change trainers after a loss because I mean losing is just part of the sport, and it's not you know you can't always blame the trainer. You know what I mean? But in this case, I think and it's kind of like uh, the John David Jackson, Sergey Kovalev situation. It's not like yeah. their union made for a bad fighter, but if the, the, the fighter and the trainer can't respect each other, they shouldn't be working together. And with yep. Broner's situation, I know he respects Mikey Stafford, and I think Mikey Stafford is an excellent trainer. And the proof is that he not only developed Broner into a four-division title holder, but also uh, Robert Easter Jr., who holds a, a title at lightweight, yes. and uh, Roshi Warren, who had who held a title at bantamweight or junior bantamweight, I believe. So I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that Stafford is a bad trainer. I know he's a good trainer. He's an excellent amateur trainer. But the problem, no pun intended, is Broner's not listening to him. And if, if, the, fighter's not gonna, if the fighter can't listen to his chief second, to, the, to his coach, to his head trainer, you got to move on. So there, there's, there yeah. might be somebody out there. I don't know who a, a good fit would be. Ronnie Shields might be really good for, for Adrian Broner. I don't know. Um, yeah. Here's my question. Yeah. Whoever Broner goes to, yeah. who's going to be able to tolerate his antics? You know what I mean? Because a oh, lot of, although, you know, some trainers still tolerate yeah. anything, but the really good ones, I wonder how much of that nonsense, if, if Adrian is still bringing that to, to the training camps, they will tolerate, but, I do agree with you that there does need to be a change because if you can't listen to Mikey, then, you know what, find somebody that you're going to listen to because otherwise he's not going to learn. And the trainer's you're going listening to get pissed to off. R- of, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's right.
0: That's right. This is what we're talking about. We're getting hyped. We're getting hyped here. This is good stuff. You're listening to RSG One Mike uh, with uh, D Wilson, and uh, uh, I'm here with Doug Fisher. Uh, editor of uh, uh, ringtv.com, and just, you know, all-around great, uh, 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 you know, boxing analyst and just, you know, uh, someone who's passionate about the game and, you know, you can hear it in in his voice, and uh, we love having him. When we come back, we're going to get into the the fight, the mega fight, everything that you're all waiting for uh, here on RSG One Mike. There's one thing I want you to do for me. What? One. One, two. Check me out right here, yo. Yo, the sun don't shine forever. But as long as it's here, and we might as well shine together. Better now
1: than never. Business before
0: pleasure. p Diddy and the fam. Who you know do it better.
1: This is Doug Fisher, editor of RingTV.com. And I'm on the Real Sports Guys podcast. RSG, one mic, and we're here
0: with Doug Fisher. Uh, we've been talking about and warming up, give you a little bit of, you know, some of that, you know, that, that, uh, that pre-meal kind of setup. You got some lettuce. You got a little bit of that. You got, you got, some, uh, you, you got some, some appetizers uh, to go to kind of get you going. But now we're going to get into the steak. We're going to get into the big fight uh, that's going on uh, at uh, uh, T-Mobile Arena there in, in, in Vegas. Um, ready to rock and roll. Uh, we got Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golubkin, uh Triple G uh, going in there. And, and this fight, to me, I, I feel like we're looking at, it's, it's got that Hearns, for me, for boxing, it, it, it's got that Hearns-Hagler feel to it. Where it is, there's, no, there's going to be no pretense. <laughs> when the bell rings, you get your hands up, because folks are throwing. They're not coming here to have a conversation and to dance around, they're here to put some pain on each other. And so no better person to kind of get in with us, uh, this fight with us, uh, than Doug Fisher. And so, Doug, I want to kind of set the table on here. For the casual fan, you know, uh, you know this, this this thing right here has potential fight of the year. You know, if you were describing these two boxers and, and trying to get the casual fan who was kind of, peeking in now that they 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 have been hyped a little bit. You got some UFC people who who looked over and said, hey, that boxing thing is kinda cool. You know, we're gonna keep up. We're gonna check this other fight out. I don't really find boxing, but it sounds like there's another mega fight coming up. Kind of set the table uh with with these two fighters and, and who they are.
1: Well I would say you wanna tune in because of their styles. At the end of the day, and there's I mean, the fight is a legitimate mega event because these guys aren't just two of the best middleweights in the world, and they both don't just have legitimate claims to the championship. You know, Golovkin is a unified title holder. He's got more belts than anybody at 160 pounds. But Canelo is the lineal champion. He, he's the man who beat the man who beat the man going back to the last undisputed middleweight champ, which is Bernard Hopkins. And he gained that when he beat, Miguel Cotto, in November of 2015, and he also earned recognition as the middleweight champion by Ring Magazine. It's a recognition that Gennady wants from Canelo, and he's coming to get it, and he's that type of fighter. He's a seek-and-destroy fighter. He wants to be recognized as the middleweight champion. He wants that, and he wants to get it from Canelo. Canelo, on the other hand, is very proud. Proud, young Mexican champion who wants respect, and he's had respect at junior middleweight But ever since he stepped up to middleweight It's all been about triple G Triple G Everyone's been asking him From the moment he beat Miguel Cotto When are you going to fight triple G He didn't fight him in 2016 The people in his own country were saying "Well, You're scared You gave up that WBC title So you didn't have to fight him On the WB, WBC's mandated schedule What does that say about you people, it's, A lot of people were saying "Hey, It's never going to happen they were doubting Team Canelo and Golden Boy Promotions, and saying you guys are going to try to wait Golovkin out. You want him to get old and all that kind of. That stuff hurt his pride. He's a young man, so he wants respect. And what better way to get respect as a middleweight in the middleweight division than to beat the monster of the middleweight division, and that's Gennady Golovkin, that's Triple G. So you have that kind of build up to this. But style wise, you're talking about a technical power-punching pressure fighter in Triple G, and then you have a a proud young champion who is in his physical prime at his peak, at his athletic peak, 26 years old, and finally fighting at, I believe, a a natural weight class for him because I believe he had been draining himself fighting at junior middleweight or at 155 pounds for the past year and a half. So I think he's going to be stronger than ever. So you put, those, you put that all together, and you just have – we might get an explosive fight like Hagler-Hearns, but I think it goes a distance, and I'm thinking it's more like Hagler-Duran. I'm thinking it's mm-hmm. like Triple G is like Marvin Hagler, and Canelo is like Duran where you have a guy coming up in weight, but a guy who has more uh, professional experience and is, is savvier than people give him credit for. A lot of – you know, I remember back in the day people would – you know, Hands of Stone, they talked about those cold black eyes. They talked about Charlie Manson in, in, in boxing gloves. He's just a killer. You know, he's just that guy going out there to, to rip your head off. And they were right, but people forgot about his, his technique and his defensive prowess. And that was on display when he fought Marvelous Marvin Hagler. That was 1983, and that was really Hagler's first big fight. Hagler wasn't able to get the stars of the sport to fight him, until Roberto Duran said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm not afraid of this guy. He's, he's, he's not that tall for a middleweight. I'm going to go in there. And he was able to last the distance because he had that savvy. He had that ring savvy. And that's something that Canelo has that's underrated, just as it was with Roberto Duran. Canelo got that head and upper body movement. He's very good on the inside where he'll slip a punch and counter. He's got very good inside technique with those uppercuts, which – Golovkin is susceptible to, and he's also a very good body puncher. And I think Golovkin is that kind of fighter where you can hit him in the face with your best punch, and he'll smile at you and wave you on. Hey, come on, bring it on. But you tap that body, I wonder what happens. Because I think there were points in Golovkin's fight against Daniel Jacobs where Jacobs tapped him downstairs, and it made him back off. Jacobs got respect. Jacobs wasn't committing to the body, planting his feet and throwing it Mexican style, left hook to the liver. He wasn't doing it like that. He was punching on the fly. So he didn't have his full weight behind those shots. But I noticed, and I was there at Madison Square Garden just this past March. um, I noticed from ringside, Golovkin would wince a little bit. And he'd definitely take that step back whenever uh, Danny Jacobs would fire downstairs. So I wonder what happens when, Canelo goes to triple G's body and vice versa. I wonder how well Canelo takes a triple G shot to the jaw or the body. And I know we're going to see a lot of hard, accurate punching. Mm. So you said it's going to be, it's going to go to distance. Who do you, who do you I have? Do. I'm, have in I'm in the minority. I'm in the minority stat. Yeah, I do. I think it goes the distance mm. because I think, Canelo fighting at 160 pounds, he's big. He's bigger and stronger. He's been able to train harder than he normally does because normally in his camps, probably three weeks out before the fight, he, he ha- has to go about that process of cutting weight. Most of his, his camp, he's, he's training and he's sparring at around 170 pounds. And then he's got to start drying out. He's got to come down below 160 he was fighting at, at between 154 and 155 and at some point and it, it definitely occurred last year that became unnatural for him and that became quite a struggle for him and I think it may have affected his performances a little bit and maybe for years it's been affecting his stamina um, I, you know, or he's been worried about his stamina so he's been a little bit uh, economical let's say with his offensive output particularly down the stretch of a fight And I think being able to train at his natural weight right up until fight week, I think that's going to be good for him. I think that's going to make him really strong. Uh, And Triple G, we always know. He always comes in great shape. He kind of reminds me of Bernard Hopkins in that he's never more than 10 pounds overweight. He's one of those guys where where when the WBC does that 30-day weigh-in, you know, he's like eight pounds over. And I think they just did their 10-day weigh-in, and he was 164 and a half pounds. So he's right there. I mean, he's, he's going to make 160 easily. So he's always in shape, and he's just naturally strong. I don't know who's physically strong. I'm going to say Triple G is, is physically stronger, but I think Canelo being 26 years old, um, I think he might be a little bit more athletic. There might be a little bit more fluidity and snap on the end of his punches. He's not as heavy-handed as Triple G by any stretch of the imagination, but I think his hands are a little bit quicker. Um, And when he puts those combinations together, he's, he's um, they're more fluid. There's a little bit more athleticism with with Canelo's shots. So we've got two offensive guys that are also technicians. I think triple G has got maybe the better overall foundation. Thanks to that extensive amateur background. Um, He's got really sharp technique. um, And I I think Canelo is, is better defensively speaking, and and just maybe a little bit more dynamic with his offense. So, I mean, when, When this fight plays out in my head, I I don't see it being boring by any any stretch of the imagination. It's got to be good. It's got to be. Now, it may not be a shootout. It may not be Hagler Hearns, okay? Because these guys are going to respect each other, and they're both smart in there. And I think when Triple G is in there with somebody that he respects, he doesn't just wade in there the way he did against Dominic Wade or Kel Brook. You know, when he was fighting Danny Jacobs or when he was fighting David Lemieux, who was also a power hitter. He was working behind that jab, and he was gradually putting that punishment on his opponent. So I, I, think, I think he's going to take the same tactics with, uh, with Canelo, and Canelo's kind of a, a natural counterpuncher. So it may take a few rounds for it to heat up, but I think it's going to be quality boxing throughout. So I, I, so it sounds like you got uh, Canelo winning? No, no. I like, I like Golovkin. I think Golovkin is going to land yes. a heavier shot, and he's also going to be the guy coming forward. That, that's his style like he says it's Mexican style even though he's not the Mexican fighter. He's going to ha- he's got that Chavez style where I do think it's going to be tit for tat over the first half, but I do think one it's not always a bad habit um but I think against Golovkin it's a bad habit. Um Canelo likes to go to the ropes and he does it because generally speaking against the guys that he's been fighting, he's able to do it. And and, and he's able to to dish out punishment as he's he's working off the ropes but against Golovkin I think it's a mistake I think going against the ropes even if he's blocking Golovkin shots to the head and body with his with his forearms or his shoulders it's going to take strength away from him it's going to take away from his stamina it's going to take away from his own speed power and snap um and I I think at that point I believe Triple G is going to take over so I I like I think Triple G is going to come hard down the stretch of a very good fight, of a, of a competitive fight, but I think he's going to win legitimately enough rounds to where he gets the decision on the scorecards. I will say this, though Canelo's the star. And in the past, we've seen yep. judges, at least one official judge, bend over backwards for Canelo. We had that in the Floyd Mayweather fight with uh, CJ Ross, who had it 114 to 114, mm-hmm. a draw. We had that one scorecard, I think it was 117 to 111, against Arif Landy Lara. In a fight that could have been a draw Or 115, 113, either way um, And a, a lot of ringside uh, Observers thought that the, the Cotto fight Was closer than the official scorecards Indicated So that tells you, the judges are like Okay, this guy is the star in boxing This is the guy who puts butts in the seats You know, we want boxing to be strong mm-hmm. There's a close round They give it to, to Canelo So that, if it goes the distance and it's really competitive, and it's legitimately close, I expect Triple G's side to be sweating bullets. I really do. But I I'm, I'm, you know, I want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, including the Nevada State Athletic Commission, including the officials, um, especially the official judges, and um, I want them to be fair. I'm hoping that they're fair. And if they're being fair, I believe the fight goes the distance. If Triple G legitimately wins the majority of rounds, he's going to get the decision. So my official pick is, is Triple G by decision. Yeah, they could have set up
0: for a rematch, depending on uh, uh, what, uh, what happens and how that goes down. And right. uh, you might be able to see it again if, they, if they're ready to go at it again. I mean, it, it, it feels like the kind of boxer that, you know, you might get your trilogy out of it if it's, if it's uh, really going good. Um, and, uh, you know, especially if, you know, people are arguing and debating. I know how you get on Twitter uh post one yeah. <laughs> yeah so 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 uh, uh it might set up for you know for vegas uh, to maybe do this one more time or maybe two more times um, yeah it could be a, it could be people, a trilogy yeah. yeah where can people uh, follow you and, and and catch you uh uh you online you can or follow just me on twitter yeah i'm
1: i'm i i'm usually well behaved but i occasionally lose my mind it it happens um It's uh, at Dougie Fisher, D-O-U-G-I-E-F-I-S-C-H-E-R. And that's that's also my Instagram and my my Periscope uh, handle. And uh, I'm the editor of ringtv.com, and that's the official website for the Ring magazine. And uh, you can follow all of the media events, the Fight Week media events for Canelo Triple G, starting on Tuesday with the fighter arrivals. And Wednesday, there's the final press conference, and public workouts with the undercard fighters, and I believe the main event fighters. Uh, And then Thursday, there's the uh, undercard press conference and something that they call the Champions Chat, where they bring in great fighters of the past. They're probably going to bring in great middleweights like Marvin Hagler and Tommy Hearns and Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, the the Four Kings, Roberto Duran, and and they chat, and it's a live stream. And then Friday is the weigh-in. And there's a whole weigh-in show around that. And the fighters, I believe, are going to step on the scale at 1 p.m. Pacific time, a little bit earlier than usual. But that's going to be absolutely electric. They're going to hold that in the NGM uh, Grands Garden Arena. And I wouldn't be surprised if they had 18,000 people there just to see these guys step on the scale. But all of these uh, Fight Week media events are going to be streamed live on ringtv.com. And also, I believe, HBO's YouTube channel. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure several other platforms because this is a fight with international appeal and uh, international attention. Well, Doug, hey, once again, man, you, uh, you brought the heat to the RSG
0: platform, uh, uh, one mic and, um, you know, uh, as we did for you last time, we have this segment of, uh, uh, drop the mic, uh, where we like to have our guests just kind of close us out one more time and, uh, you know, whatever you uh, feel like you want to say, drop the mic. And, you know, when you're done, just say drop the mic and we'll close the show out. And so we'll let you drop the mic here on RSG.
1: Well, I guess I'll just say that let's Canelo credit. We gave him a lot of heat. We gave him a lot of grief, even in his own country. The sports media and the, 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 the great former fighters who were in the Hall of Fame questioned his, his courage Questioned his honor uh, Questioned his integrity They said he was a coward They said he was afraid They said he was trying to wait out Triple G Well he's fighting Triple G Triple G is higher ranked pound for pound Triple G is The consensus number one rated Middleweight in the world by every Respectable publication So you can't say he's fighting an old Triple G Or a faded or slipping Triple G So if you discredited Canelo last year for not fighting Triple G. Give him credit this year. Don't say that he's overconfident. Don't say that he was trying to wait Triple G out. Triple G is going to come correct. He's not an old 35. The man turned pro at 25, so there's not too much wear and tear. And as we know, he's used to knocking guys out. So this is the guy that Canelo is going to fight. The fight is happening. It's the biggest legitimate championship box happening in boxing. Obviously, credit to Triple G and K2 Promotions and his promoter, Tom Loeffler, but let's give Team Canelo and Golden Boy Promotions credit for making this fight. They were the money side, the A-side. They didn't play it safe. They're fighting a dangerous monster in the middleweight division.
0: There we go. We dropped the mic. There's one thing I want you to do for me.
1: (laughs) Come here. Win.